after I admitted to it in the meeting with HR, I was like, I'm pretty much done here. So I, I already started thinking about like, what are the next steps? And yeah, they let me, let me go a week, fr- a week later on a Friday. And honestly, it was like, I was devastated. I was really upset within a couple weeks. Um, I found out that my partners and I wanted to go separate ways for the startup. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simon. Yeah. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simon. Welcome to another episode of How I Discovered My Gift. I have the honor and pleasure of having Mac Frederick of Momentum Digital and Phone Repair Philly. Uh, but we're going to really dive in to Mac's journey, but I want to read his bio. And then I'm going to give you a personal um, viewpoint of my viewpoint and uh, from a friend perspective of Mac Frederick. So Mac is, is the founder of Momentum Digital. As I mentioned, he's a college athlete turned entrepreneur and is currently serving as the founder for Momentum Digital, which he started in 2015 along with his co-founder after leaving Google, the prestigious Google. Over the last five years, Mac was able to scale the agency to over 20 people. It has worked with hundreds of small businesses. His entire mission is to provide digital momentum to small local businesses who need it the most. Mac also owns Phone Repair Philly, which is the number one electronics repair company in Philadelphia. He uses the business to showcase his digital skills around SEO, local SEO, and other various marketing services. He started the company also in 2015 with $1,000 and grew it to four now four locations and 6,000% increase in 24 months. So I am honored to have Mac on the show. Mac is not only a great, just a great digital marketer, he's a great all-around person, um, not every interview is as a, as a true personal friend that I get to have on the show, and Mac is that. Uh, he's a down-to-earth person. He does a lot of work, uh, philanthropy work uh, for for breast cancer. Um, he, he's really just in tune as a person. You rarely, rarely meet people that have the ability to really just be present. No matter what all is going on, he is the type of person that will sit down with you and connect with you and really focus on you. So I really uh, admire Mac, and I think you guys are going to get so much value from the conversation I, I already know. So this is going to be an episode where you're going to want to repeat it over and over and over and over because he just, he's just a walking value bomb. He's going to drop value in, in everything he says. So uh, Mac, welcome to the show. David, thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Wonderful. Well, Mac, I like to kick things off. Really, just take us through the journey, right? We, I heard it in the bio, but but there's a lot that happened in between that journey from from childhood. I know you grew up uh, seeing your father as an entrepreneur, but didn't know that that was going to be your route. And so, yeah. take us through the journey from childhood to now. I was a little problem child, man. I loved attention. I uh, started getting involved with sports and then sports cards. Started doing some trading, buying, selling. Got involved with like e-commerce platforms, third parties like the ebays of the world uh going to trade shows like gary v talks about buying and selling cards and just like always found myself very active and always making friends and networking at a young age had no idea up until like maybe 20 years old what an entrepreneur was but my dad essentially i guess has always been an entrepreneur and he runs his own small business but also does like real estate and 
you know, my mom is a teacher, but she, you know, she's just a, a wonder woman of sorts. And I grew up just playing soccer and, and, you know, just being very, you know, into personal things and hobbies and interests. But, you know, went to play soccer D3 at Virginia Wesleyan with my cousin. I was there for about two years and just, it wasn't a good fit for me. So I transferred to Penn State, started taking like entrepreneurship, business, marketing classes. Honestly, like didn't even care about my major. I cared more about like what I was learning and trying to apply that to something. And so I was part of like different startups and started an entrepreneurial club, even though I didn't even know what that, you know, that word meant and started like a party bus. Uh, I was a co-founder in a watch startup, which raised some funding and is still doing really well. I uh, got my name on some patents, won some grants, started a phone repair company in college. Uh, around the time to graduate, my parents were like, hey, you know, we help you pay for school a little bit. Um, you know, you should probably look into getting a job. We don't know about this whole like business, entrepreneurial thing you're doing. And that's that's before they really believed in, in my journey. And so, because I've always been like a good time, like like to party and hang out with friends. And I started transforming more into like a business person. And so I only really wanted to work for a handful of companies. And so I got recruited by Google, went through that process, got the job with them and, I, you know, sold my phone repair business at Penn State, went to work for Google in Michigan for about, I was there maybe a year and a half and kind of got complacent with the nine to five job and just selling small businesses, Google ads and uh, started another phone repair company on the side. Meanwhile, I was part of that watch startup and you know we raised some funding with that and around this time 2015 um, i had started another marketing agency on the side helping a lot of small businesses that i was working with at google being like hey you know let's talk about seo and web design and social media and other things that actually can help grow your business without being so reliant on paid ads and from there you know started with a friend who graduated from penn state too and one thing led to the next we started growing google found out i got fired on the spot <laughs> and that forced me to go all in on this and, and so i've been running and growing the agency ever ever since as well as the phone repair business you know i sold that second one in, in michigan and literally packed up my bags whatever savings i had and moved to philly and started fresh man wow what a journey thank you for sharing that i mean I know their listeners are probably wondering a bunch of things, but one of the first things I'm sure they're asking is, what was that experience like at Google One? And second, what was that experience of feeling, you know, like, whoa, you're building a business and you got fired from Google. Like, t tell us about those two different experiences. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So getting the job at Google, I, I like to tell people work backwards. So a lot of people ask, how do you, how'd you get the job at Google? And then I'll talk about my experience there. Uh, this is kind of a value bomb for people looking to get a good job if you're not necessarily an entrepreneur. So Google had like an information session virtual and, you know, I saw who was leading the session, you know, connecting with that person on, on LinkedIn. Meanwhile, the past couple months, I had been building out my LinkedIn, optimizing it, putting my experiences and resume and everything on there, adding new connections, connected with this person. And then I tried to see what mutual connections we have and tried to find out who else worked at Google, who also had graduated from Penn State. So I found a few of those people connected with them and just sent them a quick DM on LinkedIn back before it was all spammy, you know, saying, hey, I saw you work at Google and you graduated from Penn State. You know, I'm an upcoming senior. I'd love to hear about your journey. This sounds like amazing. And uh, if you have 10 minutes, I'd love to talk. And 
someone got back to me. One thing led to the next, you know, told them my story. They were impressed, you know, connected with a few of those and they put your name in as a referral. 80% of Google hires are referrals. And so that pushed me up in the queue. I got the initial phone screening and the person who referred me actually took me through the process and helped me practice for all those interviews. And that landed me the job and moved to Michigan. It was freezing there and uh, was in the ads department. So they gave me the option of like, do you want to go to New York, Michigan or uh, um, Mountain View headquarters? And I was like, where are most people going to pick? I'm going to pick the place that's least uh, popular. So I picked Michigan thinking I'll get the, the job. And so it, that's how it worked. And while I was there, I mean, it was amazing. It's the best company to work for. I was voted like the previous seven, eight years, best company to work for. And we had our own chefs, like our own kitchen, like three catered cooked meals, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There was like a gaming room with like arcade games, ping pong, uh, beers on tap, you know, we had baristas. There was so many, there was like one offsite event a week. There's team building, you know, there's the 20% role of like focusing on something that you cared about. It was an amazing company to work for through and through. You know, they, they hire overachievers too. So they know people are capable of getting their, their workload done and also like doing stuff too. And it was great. You know, I tell people all I did was eat grapes and pet kittens all day when I was at Google. <laughs> uh, so it was an amazing time, but like I'm an entrepreneur. So I was itching to do more, make more money, like fulfill my purpose and, you know, started a conflict of interest, I guess, and was already kind of on their the radar of somebody that's like not abiding by all the rules. So at that point they're like, Hey, we should go our separate ways. Wow. So I, I, did you expect it coming or did you, it was a completely cut off guard. you like, I had previously gotten in trouble for like not focusing on the job because of the two other businesses I was running. And you know, I was on the radar already. And so they actually had me on recording saying something that I should have been saying. Um, in regards to this business and whatever. And, you know, I admitted to it. After I admitted to it in the meeting with HR, I was like, I'm pretty much done here. So I, I already started thinking about like, what are the next steps? And yeah, they let me let me go a week, fr a week later on a Friday. And honestly, it was like, I was devastated. I was really upset within a couple weeks. Um, I found out that my partners and I wanted to go separate ways for the startup. So we went through like a little bit of a legal battle and like that was upsetting too. And they bought out my equity for the most part. And then a couple of weeks later, like my mom got diagnosed with cancer, with breast cancer, which is why I do the breast cancer awareness fundraiser. So it was, it was a lot within like a month or two. And I was pretty depressed for probably two or three months. But what I like to tell people is like a true entrepreneur is somebody when they're faced with adversity and their backs against the wall, like that's what really shows their true colors and what they're capable of. Wow. That's, wow, that's inspiring. So, Mac, you know, you've had success in various industries and, and, and various things and through college, through business, um, through fundraising. I've seen, you know, it's a shame I couldn't make it to some of the events, but through fundraising, everything you touch. But there's something that's a unique um, aspect that they all involve you, right? So you are the common denominator of those things. So that brings me to the question, what what, what is your gift, man? What would you say is your gift? If, if, you, if you boil it all the way down, 
What is Mac's gift? Honestly, I'm not necessarily sure. I just think I was, I think some people are wired differently. You know, I think everybody has their own gifts or things they're great at, and there's tons of stuff I am terrible at. <laughs> but I just have this inner drive that I think stems genetically and how I was raised. And I'm very inquisitive. Uh, I like learning new things that are things that I care about, you know, which a lot of what I care about is mostly business and marketing related, to be honest. But I, I, I think I also adapt pretty well to other people and other scenarios and situations. And I'm pretty good at like learning about other people and finding out what makes them tick. And probably better, better so than I am of knowing about myself. Um, but I, one thing that is important for entrepreneurs is understanding what you're good and not good at and where you should spend your time, which is something I've had to learn over the previous few years. And the journey is not easy. So it has not been an overnight success. And every day you're just trying to grow and get better and learn and, you know, help make the lives of other people better too. I love it. So you kind of mentioned a few things in that, that there's the, the side that you're naturally curious and, and you're inquisitive. And I, I, I definitely see that um, where it, it, it had gives you this, like you said, driver, there's a drive, there's a, a curiosity, there's a hunger to learn, a thirst for knowledge. So you, you identify those things. And when you think about every business that you've done, you had to utilize that, I, I imagine, to be successful, but also had to be able to persist. So when you think about what you think is the one thing that has enabled you to succeed in all the things that you do, is it the perseverance? Is it the curiosity? Is it the, what, what, what is that? What, what is it? I'd say it's perseverance, you know, combined with determination, if you would label them as the same thing. You know, I, I've, I've been through so much, dude, it's crazy. You know, I've been, I've, I've hired hundreds of people. I've fired dozens and dozens of people. I've had people stealing from me, people, um, you know, copying me. I've had people like customers steal from me. I've had um, employees steal money directly from the company. I've had people try to steal a bunch of my clients. I've had people like my most important person I've ever hired for momentum completely disappear off the face of the earth. I've made terrible decisions for the use of my time. And, you know, you learn from failure. At least that's how most people learn and as entrepreneurs. And I've failed in just every way imaginable so far, and I'm sure I'll keep failing. But you just need to have more wins than losses and, and never let that stop you from, from what your, your goal is or let that deter you from what you know you're meant to do. And I'm just, I'm, I'm somebody that I call myself unemployable. Like if I, if I can't keep a job with the best company in the world, like there's no job for me. Um, and now my, my customers are my clients. My customers are, are my job. And so I kind of report to them. Mm, love it. So Matt, what would you tell a younger Matt, you know, 10 or 12 to, to, to learn about himself to make 
and, and I know we as entrepreneurs, I'm sure you're the same way that you know you you even with all the all the crap you've been through, you probably wouldn't change a, a lot of it or any of it. But if you could give the younger Mac an advantage and uh, you know a heads up on what's coming ahead, what would you tell the younger Mac to do to prepare himself? I don't think I cared much about education or knew what I wanted to do at a young age. I think it wasn't until I was maybe 20, 21 years old where I actually realized like this thing with business and entrepreneurship is, is meant for me. You know, maybe if I could have understood that better back when I was like buying and selling cards and, and doing that whole thing at 12 years old, it could have kept steering me in the right direction for the next eight years instead of focusing on other things that weren't really going to help me in my life. And I'm someone who is always getting really good grades just because I was like naturally inherent in our family. But I wasn't caring about what I was learning. It was more so like cramming for a test so you get a good grade instead of like actually acquiring that knowledge. So finding out what I wanted to do at a younger age, like there's a lot of kids now. It's crazy. Like, you know, you grow up and you're like, oh, I want to be an architect or a soccer player or whatever. And then you kind of get swayed and deterred throughout that process as to what you really want to be. But I think, you know, a lot of people say that if you can find out what you want to do at a young age and just hone your skill set and your craft, that could set you up for a lot of success. Like I didn't even know what digital marketing was until 21 years old, where there's like 12 year olds learning that stuff now. Wow, it's crazy. You know, a lot of people have a different, a, a lot of different philosophies when it comes to school because that's, that's a, that can be a, a good development ground. Um, some people say, you know, forget college. There's no purpose for it. Some people say, um, you know, it, it has its value. Um, yes, it's still a valuable thing. What, what do you tell young people, like a young person that's thinking of going into entrepreneurship? They know they want to be an entrepreneur. What, what are your thoughts about, hey, do you think that college has value for them? Do you think college should be thrown out, just drop out, forget it? What are your thoughts? Uh, honestly, like 95% of what I know and do and have learned, I wouldn't say is self-taught, but it's self-acquired through digital means. YouTube, blogs, forums, networking. I couldn't tell you anything of what I've learned in classes that I took at Penn State. Um, maybe I developed good relationships with like friends and other entrepreneurs and like professors, but I'd say if you kind of can figure out what you're good at at a young age, you can learn anything online these days. And so unless you want to be like a doctor or a lawyer or something that needs like a master's or a PhD, if you want to get in business and entrepreneurship, some of the most successful people ever in the world never went to college or dropped out and so i mean i don't suggest college for most people i do i am a big fan if you're not into entrepreneurship or business though i think what's going to make a resurgence is more trade and technical schools like if you actually want to develop a skill set like you know i don't know if it's like a electrician or a plumber or a roofer like computer technician it whatever the case might be like something practical and not more theoretical that's good advice. Now, you said, you know, they should take the time to figure out what they're good at. What do you recommend 
as a process for somebody to figure out what they're good at? Because a lot of our listeners may be struggling with figuring out what they're good at. That's one of the hardest things to think through. Um, it's really tough if you don't have a good, solid foundation of a family. Because if you don't have two parents that are there for you and love you and can utilize their resources and connections to introduce you to other people that could take you under their wing and hire you or train you or mentor or job shadow. Like I remember when I was like 16, my dad wanted me to be an accountant because I was just like a little hellraiser. And he had me sit down with this accountant for like a day of shadowing. And I fell asleep within like two hours of being there and I was completely useless. And I was great. I was great with numbers and math and accounting, but it didn't excite me. Um, I probably had 15 different jobs before I even went to college. You know, I worked at, I worked in construction. I worked in um, Kmart. I worked in real estate. I worked as a surveyor. I worked in a hoagie shop. I worked as a clerk, as a cashier, uh, you know, cement lane. Like I, I did so many different jobs and just realized like none of them were for me. But what I did realize about some of the jobs was like, this person who I'm working for is a small business owner. If he doesn't want to go to this job today, it's completely up to him. Like he can't fire himself. And so I think that kind of stuck out to me as I got older. Mm, yeah. If you if you have the control, if you can control your destiny and how much money you can make and you're more focused on like freedom, whether it's like freedom of time, freedom of expression, freedom of place, then as opposed to like, that's why I say understanding yourself is so important. I've always been someone that's like kind of run by my own rules for, for better or worse. Yeah, but I know that sort of lifestyle fits who I am as a person. So entrepreneurship kind of fits what I do. Mm. And and in that, like, so you said entrepreneurship. You found that entrepreneurship was something that fit what you what you did. But you came to realize, hey, there's there's a lot of work in this thing. This is not this is not a it's not a cakewalk. Um, I think there's a there's a facade out here that entrepreneurship is completely sexy and glamorous and, and um, that, you know, I can do a few things and I could be a boss. And, and, and I don't think people understand the behind the scenes, the hard work, the, the sacrifice, the blood, sweat and tears that goes behind. Can you give, can you paint a picture of, you know, just building multiple businesses, right? Still today running multiple businesses, Though, and, and I know you, you obviously have built to the point where you're working less and you're, you're handling um, things from more of an oversight perspective. But can you break down the development? Because what we teach on the show is that there's three steps to, 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 to discovering the gift. First, you find it, discover it. Second is the development phase. And third, we'll get to the third phase in a moment. But the development process that you've had to go through as an entrepreneur, as a person, uh, and, and the behind the scenes work that you had to put in. Is the question more about the process? All of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I guess to your first point about entrepreneurs these days, you know, they just see all the glitz and glamour of Instagram and social media and 
get rich quick and cryptocurrency and this and that, you know, if you're looking for a get rich quick scheme, I don't think you're going to be, that's there, there's no lasting pleasure or capital to be had from that. You know, um, some of the best things in life, some of the most rewarding things are things that you actually have to work for and earn and allow you to build a foundation that isn't going to make you tons of money overnight, but it's going to build character and hopefully make you money over time. And you've got to get your licks in, man. You've got to have your failures. If, if you're just trying to be one of these new age entrepreneur, get rich quick things, money's going to come and go. But the things that you learn are probably the most important and the people that you meet and the reputation you build are arguably more important than the money you make. I, I'm not one of those entrepreneurs that's like, I'm trying to make a ton of money. I care more about, I guess I would say like my reputation and my freedom and the control I have over my life instead of just making a bunch of money. Because money, like they say, man, all the rich people tell you it doesn't buy happiness. Um, I think you can be more happy based on like expectations you set for yourself. Um, uh, Sundar Pichai, the, the CEO of Google says, the happiness is determined between the difference between expectations and reality. And so if your expectations are to make a ton of money and you don't, or your expectations are to, you know, build some sort of network and you can't, um, you know, it's, it's all about your expectations. So if you keep the right expectations and follow through with that, I think you can build more happiness. Um, and you don't want to, you know, build your success over screwing people over too, or doing something shady. You know, some of the, the most important influential things took years and years to build that are still well known and understood to these, to this day. Um, so I guess to your second point about building something and developing something, one of the things that I've had to do and focus on in the past few years more than anything is is managing a team and hiring and, and training and onboarding and being empathetic and understanding people and how they're wired and and um, having a good team is really important because you have other people who have your back and care about you and it's investing in other people like you can only go so far as one person um, I forget what the saying is but it's like if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together um, so that's what we're trying to focus on with our companies now is like building the right team and the right culture. And it's been, it's been crazy, man. Wow. No, I appreciate you sharing that, that insight. And, and could you share some insights, right? For, for someone listening, that's, you know, building up their business and they want to build a better team. What, what are some, some key things you shared? You shared one that, you know, it's important to invest in your team and um, just genuinely care, have that empathy. But what are some other t tips that you could share for a person developing a business or developing a, um, actually, even if you're working within an organization, you, you develop teams as well and, and need to understand how, how to work with people. So any, any tips, because I think you're really great at that. I think something that's really helped me is my social network, um, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. And if you build up your network, you can, capitalize on it in many ways in a sense of 
you know, the world isn't always out to get you. People aren't always out to get you. A lot of people, a lot of people actually care about helping others or just like being useful and resourceful. I like to say everybody loves to know somebody. And so if I'm posting on Facebook, like I'm looking for a web designer or I'm looking for a virtual assistant, I'll get tons of people that'll comment because everybody loves to know somebody. But if a tree falls in the woods, nobody hears it. So you need to build your social network first, um, your online or offline network to have these resources and all else being equal. Even if I was making no money today, I have a network to fall back on that could help me build something um, because that's what I've built over the last five years is I know thousands of people in this city now. And so, you know, you can always leverage other people and other human beings. And, you know, it's really good to have a foundation whenever you build a business too of like, obviously like your business and marketing plan and like maybe a partnership agreement. But one of the best things that's helped me in the past 12 to 18 months is really um, building out SOPs, like standard operating procedures, onboarding guidelines, um, just internal, external processes, and then bringing on an operating partner with each company. Cause I run two businesses concurrently and it's, it can be a disaster, man. That's where so many mistakes are made. And if you can bring someone on to help run the company and like sort of grow and mold them over the, over previous years, it's best to, um, recruit and and upgrade and promote internally someone who knows and understands the business and culture. Um, that's really important, but you, in life you're always selling. So whether it's you're selling yourself a product, a service, um, you know, getting people to buy into your culture is really important and promoting those within who love and appreciate what you're doing. Yes. That's powerful. So Matt, you, sh you shared earlier about, you know, the reality of being burned. Right. And, and also you shared, the beauty of trusting people in that not everybody's out to get you and they're they actually have some level of of wanting to, you to succeed so my question is how do you come back from being burned being having money stolen have ha, stolen having clients stolen how do you bounce back because not everybody has that bounce if i can create a word a bounce back ability um, <laughs> from, from trials. And, and I think that's needed. I don't care what industry you're in, you're going to need that. So how, how does, I mean, how do you do that? It's a great question, man. Everybody's different. Um, a lot of people tell you through like self-reflection and education. So thinking back on what you could have done differently. Um, maybe it wasn't even their fault. You know, maybe it was something that you did. Maybe you didn't treat people a certain way or the way that you should have. Um, so self-reflection and awareness is key. And then education, you know, podcasts, audiobooks, reading, journaling. Uh, a lot of people will tell you meditating is really important. I don't necessarily do that, but I know it's powerful. Um, some people just like to get away and just like clear their mind. So two or three times I've just literally like booked a trip and gotten away and just like whenever you do that for me, like I understand the world is much bigger than just internally what's going on in my head. And so it helps put things in perspective. Um, and then last but not least, I'd say at the end of the day, like just believe, like 
self-belief, determination, like believing in yourself above all else. Because twice, like when my business was just floundering, I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a trip. And then during the trip, I was like, wow, like the world's huge. Life is long. God is great. If all else fails, like I can just restart and bet on myself again. I'll literally move home with my parents, eat ramen, whatever it takes, and just build something again instead of being unhappy or just, you know, you know, pitying myself for my failures. Wow. Wow. That, that's a great attitude. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I want to get into the third phase. So we've talked about the discovery. We've talked about the development. And the last phase is going to resonate with you because this is what you do is distribution. Right. So it doesn't matter how good you are at your gift or you're good at you are at your talent or, or even your business. Um, if nobody knows you, if you don't have it marketed that that gift, that talent, that business, then it's I don't want to say it's futile, but it's almost uh, pointless. Right. Because that we know that there are people that um, I always say that there are people that are maybe operating with. When you think about a, a, to the listeners, right? There's 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 people that have less no, less knowledge than you, but they're making more money than you with less knowledge than you, and it's not because they know more; it's because they understand the the last phase of distribution. So, can you talk to how important it is the the marketing of your gift, your talent, your ability, right? You, I I, t I just go back and I just trace this back to your story here about Google, right? A lot of people would say, "I'm great." At, I should be at Google. You didn't market yourself in the way of just marketing yourself. You went through different channels to, to leverage and, and in the way that was kind of marketing, you know, you were leveraging um, what we call, right, authority, right? You're leveraging someone that already has authority within the company and, and using the, 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 and I think you have a marketing mind, but, but can you talk to us about the importance of, of distributing your gift, marketing your gift, your talent? Yeah, I mean, it's the whole push versus pull method. Um, like with any, like you can consider it with sales and marketing, sometimes they go hand in hand. Um, it, it's easier to bring someone to you than to go and get someone. Like imagine you're hunting. That's why like you have a duck call or, you know, you call in deer and put out like corn and, and like use a, you know, some sort of deer call to pull them in because then it's easier to hunt instead of like just picking up a gun and like walking through the woods until you find a deer and scare it away. Um, so the, the whole push versus pull method, you know, I push out a, I push out value, which then can pull people in. So whether it's blogs or videos or just helpful information, networking, uh, introductions, you know, adding value, being resourceful, which then pulls people in. You know, a lot of things we focus on is like search awareness, like having people find us on Google. I'd say 80% of our, our clients either find us on Google or are referred to us. Um, and so that's that's the uh, pool method. It's, it's inbound marketing through brand awareness on social media, uh, top of mind awareness through networking, friends, referrals, or, you know, awareness and impressions on, on Google for knowing and understanding search and SEO. Uh, so that's a lot of what we focus on is like, you know, being providing value, being a thought leader, uh, being present and bringing people to you instead of like cold calling and cold emailing all day. I love that. I love that. 
Um, so, wow, you broke down the differences between the push and the pull. So, what's say this person? Let's 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 name let's name him Tom. Tom has a gift of, you know, he's a great guitarist, right? And there's a bunch of other great guitarists out there. What should Tom focus on? Uh, and I know it's a very vague example, but but what should what would you do if you were Tom? You're the gu guitarist. And you need to push your music out there. You need to market yourself. How would you do that? If I was a guitarist? Yeah. Oh man. Um, social media would be huge. Like always writing and putting out songs, playing on Facebook Live, Instagram Live, YouTube Live, uh, even putting on LinkedIn, always putting out new content every day, uh, putting out a website, putting your content on that website. Uh, distributing it through third-party articles, blogs, websites that talk about like music, you know, guitars and Reddit and forums. Um, going playing at venues, having somebody follow me around with a camera at these venues and recording it so I could use that for my content. Uh, asking people if they know anybody who I can play for or play with. Uh, talking to other bands, seeing if I could guest play. Um, going on YouTube and Instagram, Facebook, connecting with other guitarists and other bands, DMing them, see if there's anything we can uh, collaborate on, uh, putting out a Spotify playlist, uh, Radio FM, uh, maybe even doing a podcast with other guitarists talking about like what's going on in the guitarist world, uh, maybe networking with other local um, guitar sales shops, retail shops, um, telling them about you know myself, sharing my music my story with them there's a lot of different methods but you've got to be heard wow tom you're welcome from <laughs> <laughs> like if you're listening to, like seriously that was so much game for, for for any musician shoot a lot of industries so but but a lot of people struggle with this Matt. what what about what about the people that say because there's some philosophy here there's a part of i know you believe in it i believe in it there's personal branding right leverage the power of personal branding there's the business brand um what are what are your thoughts about both of those what works best what's not you know what what do you suggest and also what do you say to the person that says i don't want to put myself out there so for business versus personal personal it depends on the type of business you know if you're a major pharmaceutical company it's not like you know, you, you have each one of those doctors and scientists, you know, posting on their LinkedIn and social media all day. You know, they have multi-million, hundred million dollar budgets for marketing and branding. It's not like you see like all the different executives like Coca-Cola posting on like their social medias and stuff. Uh, if you're a certain type of business, maybe a law firm or financial consultants or marketers or service providers, you want to become a thought leader and people relate to people. People don't necessarily relate to, to brands or companies, especially within those types of industries. So I'm much more likely to follow Tom Smith, who's a lawyer instead of like, you know, law firm ABC because I don't care about them. But like Tom and I met at a mutual event. Seems like a cool dude. We follow each other on social media. He starts putting out like valuable videos and content about like, you know, how to form a partnership operating agreement or, you know, what to do in this case, you know, a video on like, you know, legal disputes between partners 
or whatever the case might be, like I'm much more interested and intrigued to talk to Tom instead of like, oh, who's at this business? Like maybe somebody there is there I can relate to. And I do think personal branding is, is great for any small to medium sized business owner that cert fits certain industries and, and guidelines. Um, personal branding is huge. And, and when you talk about like putting yourself out there, I would always suggest it. Um, you know, even if you don't know, if you don't believe in yourself or trust yourself to do so, there's different forms of medium. Um, there's different forms of consumption. It doesn't have to be video and going live on Facebook. You could write a really cool, engaging blog or article. Some people appreciate a voice that's written down. It's more, more thought and time has gone into it. I probably had some of the most engagement from a long form written post on Facebook and some of the videos that I've ever done. Uh, the same goes for LinkedIn too. Or maybe you talk about audio. Maybe you're not good on camera. Maybe you're not a great writer, but you're a good talker. You could jump on podcasts like these, you know, use matchmaker.fm, uh, come out with your own podcast, distribute it through Anchor. There's a lot of different things you can do based on your best way of communicating, um, you know, written voice or video. There's a lot of different options there, but the point is like, if you want people coming to you, then you need to build your brand and your reputation through social word of mouth. Wow, that's powerful. I, I, you guys, I, I told you this is gonna be an episode where you need to go back, rewind. There's so much Max shared, and and I think what I what I just distilled from what you said is know who you are. Know if you don't like to be out there, find out what's the least area of resistance that you can do. So like you said, if they if they don't want to be on video, start with audio. If you, if you don't if you don't like if you don't like to write, start with video. You know, something of that nature. But you gotta do something is what I'm hearing, right? They gotta do something. Doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be the biggest step forward, but it has to be something. Um yeah. so Matt, I got two final questions for you. One is um tell us about where people can connect with you and how they can take advantage tell us a little bit about like, your services and 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 both both sides right there's there's things for here people locally philadelphia that you can serve but there's things for and the surrounding region and then there's things that you can do on a national level with with your company momentum so um let, let us know yeah, for sure. You know, my name's Mac Frederick. I consider myself a Google expert and a digital marketing entrepreneur. Uh, I own and run Momentum Digital. I've got a, a partner that helps me run that company now. Shout out to Sean Boyle. Um, so we have Momentum Digital and Momentum 360. Momentum Digital, specifically, if you have a smaller local business and you're looking to grow online, specifically through Google or search engines, uh, we can help people find you use that pool method to bring you new business, new customers. You know, we provide SEO, local SEO, web design, social media, paid advertising. Uh, I'm more on the strategy and consulting end. For Momentum 360, it's a, it's a division within Momentum that does property marketing, virtual tours, photography, 3D tours, staging, drone, video. And then for the phone repair electronic side, um, I now have a partner on that as well. I've been running that business five years now in Philly. Uh, gone from zero to seven figures in a few years. We've got four locations, retail locations across the city. I've got a um, operating partner now. Shout out to Jerry Jones, who's doing a great job. And you know, we 
if you have an, any electronic that you want to fix, buy, sell, trade, whatever, you know, we're the best in the business around here for locations. We're faster, cheaper, and more reliable than even going to Apple, your carrier store, or insurance. If you don't believe me, call me. If you can't find us, literally search phone repair in Philadelphia. We will come up for second and third through SEO. And so just reach out to me if you want to connect with me personally. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Mac Frederick, pretty unique name. I'll pop right up or just search me on Google. Love it. I, I, I think the listeners would be mad if I didn't ask you this question because it's in your bio and it's and I, I know it's hard to distill. Um, and so I'm adding one more question into this before my final question that we ask every person. How did you go from four figures, $1,000, to seven figures in uh, your phone repair business. Oh, that's a too long of a story. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work and failures, a lot of time and money spent. Um, the the long and the short of it is reinvested all my profits time and time again. I lived, I lived frugally for years to reinvest the profits back into the company. I found out what I needed to make to survive. I lived below my means and I reinvested the money and gradually invested into the right people, which we finally have now after four or five years. And I've been screwed over many times, but here we are. And um, I've never taken a dollar from anybody. We don't have any debt, any loans, any investors, any outside capital. So it is what it is. Amazing, amazing, reinvest. And then our final question, Matt, is, What's the difference between one's gift and one's purpose? One's gift and one's purpose. What's pretty simple, a, a gift is what's inherited either through, you know, genetics and your family and your upbringing and the glory of God versus uh, your purpose, which is using your gift to make an impact on the world. So your purpose is like, okay, finding out how you can use that gift to better the world and, and better others around you. So your purpose is determined off of using your gift in the right way at the right time to the right people. Mm. Well said, well said, Matt. Thank you so much. You've added so much value to the listeners. Um, I appreciate you. I thank you for the work that you do and the impact you make in this world. Continued success, brother. For sure, man. Appreciate it. Shout out to you, man. Keep grinding. I love what you do. Love your purpose and uh, love what you're doing in the world and just, just keep doing you. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David Simons. Yeah. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David Simons.